Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. All right. Well, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Uh, I had to hey. hold up my hand and make Seth stop making clicking noises with his mouth so we could start recording. I yeah. And now I've just brought it up and <laughs> I've brought it into the, the recording. Fourth anyway. wall has the been fourth broken. wall has been broken, and now you're able to come into the studio with us here. So welcome into our cave. Into our cave. It is kind of like a cave in here. We turn off all the lights and just have some like lamps lit. It's very much like the tabernacle, one might assume. Oh, in here. I'm just no kidding. No, ever horrible, <laughs> horrible segue. Um, well, okay. Well, today we're in Exodus 31. Um, we have just finished the long, long list of instructions for how the tabernacle is to be constructed, for what the priestly garments are supposed to look like. And now we get into this little short segue chapter in between the instructions for the tabernacle and what we will see next week, which is the golden calf, the golden calf, the failure of the people of Israel. Aholiab and Bezalel. Ooh, good pronunciation. I, I, I've been trying. Aholiab and Bezalel. Aholiab, <laughs> Bezalel's jewels for shining. <laughs> I like that. It's it's getting near Christmas, so it's, it's, it's really close. It's very good. Aholiab and Bezalel. So yeah, okay. So so basically, let, let's go through what's happening here. So um, the, these the, the, the instructions people, are finished, and these two people, what they are given the spirit of God to accomplish the building of the tabernacle, particularly some of the uh, finer details of the tabernacle. Okay, like, and specifically, we're told that Bezalel. He says like so 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 the Lord says to Moses, "See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur." Uh, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work gold, silver, bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood and every craft. And then we have Oholiab, and he's filled with the Spirit of Skill along with some other assistants. But yeah. I, I don't know if, how significant it is to point it out. I just wanted to make sure we... we we yeah. said that it's it's um, Bezalel who is specifically chosen by name by God and filled with the Spirit of God. Yeah, to build and to be in charge of yes the the smiths the right. chemists He's the lead the, contractor. Yeah, yeah and yeah. 
these building all the things in the temple. Yeah, I think it's so cool that we have this like the spirit of God filled him to devise artistic designs. It's like we we so often want to separate like secular things from sacred things, and it's like the spirit of God can do things in us to like. I don't know, give us impressions or change our mind or, or fill us with a thought. Right. But he can't make me a better painter. Right. And it's like, oh, wait, maybe he can. And it goes back to it also the way the Holy Spirit works in the Old Testament more broadly is this task-specific type of way. Oh, now you've just made a jump, haven't you? Well, You I just have. said the Holy Spirit. The Holy is Spirit. That, I mean, let's talk about that. Okay, so okay. We okay. have Spirit of God here. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I just want to... Let's 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 kind of tease it out. So we have spirit of God here, ruach Elohim in the Hebrew. So it's uh, the breath of God, the spirit of God. Um, uh, that's what we're, we're told. And and it's interesting. This isn't a common phrase in the Torah. Right. So um, there, it's only four times that ruach Elohim, spirit of God, is brought up. Um, the first time is at the very beginning, Genesis one two, that the spirit of God is hovering. Over the, the face, face of the water, waters, so the yeah. Ruach Elohim is there. And then at the very end of Genesis, we have... Um, Gen- uh, Joseph. Joseph, yeah. Right. Uh, 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 Pharaoh, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Pharaoh is is no- notices that the Spirit of God is in Joseph he because he's able to phrase. interpret right. the dreams of Pharaoh. Yeah, and he uses the phrase, out of the lips of Pharaoh, we, he says the Ruach Elohim is in Joseph. And then we see it here, and then we see it one more time in numbers whenever the Ruach Elohim fills Balaam, a pagan prophet, to give an accurate, messianic, Christ-centered prophecy about the people of Israel. So those are the four instances in the whole Torah that Ruach Elohim, Spirit of God, is mentioned. So is this the Holy Spirit, Seth? Yes. Okay. So what's (laughs) what's the difference or like, is there a difference? And Well... A difference between the Ruach Elohim and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't assuming there was. No, I mean, I'm not either. I'm just asking. So if, if the answer is no, great. I think the answer is no, because what's happening here when the Spirit fills Aholiab and Bezalel mm-hmm. and like the word that God has commanded is being fulfilled, like correct prophecy is being given with Balaam a mm. skill to interpret a divine dream right. is being pr- procured. The creation of the world is happening. And here, obedience to God's temple designs is being mm. Obedience like, and ability. Obedience and ability yeah. to do what God commands is being given to Oholiab and Bezalel. Yeah, like, that's cool. So like, the, how does the spirit work? Like, what does the spirit do? He allows us to obey God's commands and his wishes mm. and speak his words. This is what Ezekiel says, that the way that we keep God's commands and statutes is when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's the consistent witness of the New Testament too, mm. that when we are filled with the Spirit, we are able to do God's commands and to spread the gospel throughout the world. Like that's mm. that's the confidence that we have that the word of God will actually go forth into all nations. All authority has been given to God. And God is with us. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Ezekiel is, and Jeremiah also picks up on it. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of, of we have these hard hearts that can't and won't obey God, and so He's going to take those that heart out of us, and through His Spirit, through His Ruach, He's going to put a new heart in us. And I think it's the Ezekiel one, the the prophecy in Ezekiel that says, and He will cause us 
to obey his commands. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause you to obey his statutes and commands. Right. Because yeah. we just can't without him. So that's really interesting. Um, I also am just wondering, like, as you're reading this as um, a, like, say, a Jewish exile or something, and you don't know this indwelling, permanent Holy Spirit that Christ has earned for us, like, that we can reading back. I'm wondering, like, whenever you come upon this rare construction of Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, like, what pops into your head? Like, what framework do you have to go, oh, I understand what force this is? Or, you know, like, do you are you thinking of a personal God that is in spirit? Or are you thinking of a force or an ability? Or, you know what I'm saying? I, I just... Well, I think, I think the Spirit of God in the Old Testament normally is just given to spirit special leaders yes, right. to do their tasks. So when you think of the spirit of God filling a person, you think of God like endowing a leader with the right to rule mm. or to control or to exercise authority for a particular period of time. We're told over and over again in the book of Judges that particular judges are filled with the spirit right. um, yeah. as well. And in Judges, it's not it's not Ruach Elohim, it's Ruach Yahweh. It's Which the spirit is, of Yahweh, just intensifying, I think. Intensifying. Yeah, really yeah. Cool. and so I think you would probably associate it with a special right to rule. Yes. David, we're told, is filled yeah, with the spirit. right. Uh, we're told that Saul, the, the spirit is taken away from Saul. Right. So, like, I think it's and that like, he's then isn't he then given an evil spirit? I don't. I maybe. Yeah. I anyway. Oh, so okay. So this is interesting then. So I like this idea of the spirit of God endowing us to rule and reign specific people. Right. Right. Uh, which is part of what he told Adam and Eve to do in the garden. Right. Have dominion over the world. Right. Spread my glory throughout it. And but, even God even breathes into Adam yes, and Eve. The, yes. Yes. Right. Life. Now yeah. the, the word ruach isn't there, but it is breath, which is a a. a it's very similar term to Ruach. But what's interesting is the first occurrence, right at the top of the Bible, you have um, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, and then he creates. You have this God who has dominion over everything and power over everything, and then he says, now let me, who is the Ruach Elohim, give you my Ruach Elohim. <laughs> it's like, yeah. let me who reigns and creates now come to you Eliezer, or wait, who was it? Sorry, I lost the Aholiab. name. Aholiab and Bezalel, <laughs> that's the one. And, uh, and, and let me put you in the position that I was in before the foundations of the earth. Like now you have the Ruach Elohim and you can create. Oh, because so many times, so scholars talk about how um, the tabernacle is um, a picture of Eden. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. so what we have here is a recapitulation of the very beginning of the Bible. Yes. We have the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters, creating Eden. And now we have the spirit of God indwelling uh, Bezalel to create the new portable Eden in the tabernacle. Yes, that's exactly oh, right. Oh, that's cool. And then you have Jesus being risen out of the baptismal waters and the Holy Spirit resting on him right before he begins his ministry, bringing about the new heavens and the, the new, new earth. And he comes up and he kingdom. says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. That's exactly So right. you have the spirit of God here on earth, the Ruach Elohim here on earth coming to us and saying, here is the new Eden. Here is the new tabernacle. Enter into my kingdom. And uh, maybe you would associate wow, as an cool. Old Testament Jew reading this, you would you would associate the spirit of God landing on an individual with the like the coming expansion of God's kingdom. That would be a way to say it. Uh, so this is an interesting place to bring this up. So I'm studying. 
Exodus for I'm preaching through Exodus for our student ministry. I'm right. going. I'm in the Ten Commandments right now, and I've been processing through the Second Commandment. You're lagging behind the Spoken Gospel podcast. Lagging behind a little bit, <laughs> being lazy mostly, <laughs> and um, talking about what does it mean to like make idols. Um, as I've been studying that, like there's this the 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 term breath keeps coming up in that section. So I wonder if it kind of fits here. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. Okay, but. Apparently, in the ancient Near East, when an idol was placed into a temple, uh-huh. there would be some sort of like inhabiting ceremony where there would be some sort of ceremony with a priest and the god would dwell in the idol. And it was oh. called the god breathing into the idol. And so a lot of these ancient um, idols would have like holes in their noses right, yeah. so the breath could enter into oh. it. And so the reason why that's significant is because if you rewind and go back to Genesis, yes. you have God creating humans and breathing yep. new life into them. In the tabernacle of Eden. In the tabernacle, in the temple of, of the Garden Eden, of Eden. Right. So human beings in the temple, in the Garden of Eden, are acting as God's images right. as his idols mm. in the world. They are his representatives. They're the ones that progress his glory throughout the world. They're the ones that expand and set the parameters of his kingdom as they go out and like increase and multiply and subdue the earth. Right. They're God's idols. And so as I was thinking about what it means then to not create idols, one, it's like it's a diminishment of God. Mm. Because if you create an idol and say, well, this tree is God or this cow is God, right. you're taking the fullness of God yeah. and reducing it down to one of his benefits or one of the things that he created. Right. It's a reduction of who God is and therefore a totally different God. It would be like my wife going like, oh, my husband is this wedding ring. Right. Yeah. It would be just a reduction of who you are yeah. as a human being. Yes. In the same way, like worshiping a golden calf is a total reduction. Which we're about to get to. Which we're about to get yes. to. So who God is. Right. But then as I was processing that, what then does it mean? If we're not to create idols, mm-hmm. but we are all, we are God's idols, right? Doesn't that that also mean it's an abdication of our responsibility as God's image bearers, His idols in the world? To do what? To, to um, if we create another idol, yeah. what we're doing is we're abdicating our responsibility to image God in the world. Oh, we're saying we're so, saying oh, here's that's here's a, here's a cow, here's a bale, here's a tree. This is what communicates God's glory in the world. Put that in the temple and worship that. Mm. But what God has always said from the beginning is like, no, you are the way, you are the means in which my glory spreads throughout the world. And that responsibility does not belong to a thing you create. Wow. It belongs to a thing I create. Okay, so here then with Oliahab and Bezalel, we have people actually imaging God because they are filled with the spirit of God being his idols, his image. Um, and, and then they are creating like he wanted them. They are not right. abdicating their responsibility to something, to some other idol, like is about to happen in the golden calf. Right. They are fulfilling it. And not to receive their own worship, but to oh, give proper worship yes. to God. Oh, that's good. So that that's really neat. It's like yeah. here, they're not making an idol. Um, they are creating the house that God himself will come live in, idol-free, an idol-free space. But they are doing so operating as God's idols, as the image bearers of God, they're creating the space where God will come and inhabit free of idols, yeah. which is really interesting. That's super interesting. That's really cool. So they're neither lessening the glory of God, neither are they abdicating their responsibility as the Ruach of God comes upon them and they are expressing that Ruach. And expanding God's kingdom. Oh, yeah, through the, yeah, through the tabernacle. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool thing. I really like that. Okay, so we, we then have... The Sabbath. Based- what? The, the Sabbath, yeah. Well, uh, before we jump there, real quick, um, I do want us to look at um, 
this 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 stuff. He just goes through a long list of basically after we learn that the spirit of God will be on Bezalel and the spirit of skill will be on Oliahab and some of other some of the other assistants that they will have the ability to do these things to cut stones and like polish gold or whatever else they're going to do in order to make all the stuff that's going to fill the tabernacle. Um, I just I just wanted us to like process a little bit about how granular and like, I don't even know, like just like flesh and bone this is. It's such a, a normal mundane sounding thing that the spirit is doing. We kind of mentioned at the top of the show, but I'm just kind of curious for us to wax eloquently here about how yeah. cool it is that the spirit of God is filling someone to do something physical. Like yeah. I, I feel so like so often we dichotomize and we say the spirit of God causes spiritual things to happen, you know. And but he here, yeah. he, here he's doing something very physical. Like he's training artisans. I think that's really interesting. It is super interesting. I, I mean, I think it dignifies anyone who works in a sector other than right, like local church ministry yes. or parachurch ministry. Like you're digni- Like God wor- is working through you to be excellent at your craft, so that God would be glorified and His kingdom would be expanded in your workplace. Not just by you sharing the gospel, but by through the excellence of your work. Yes, it doesn't. It do- like it matters whether or not you share the gospel with yes. your your coworkers, but it also matters the quality of your work mm-hmm. because the whole. Holy Spirit is, is endowing you with a special grace so that your work would communicate something of God's divine work in you. It's so good. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And uh, something else that's not told to us in the text, either like outright or, or, or explicitly, is like, was Bezalel an artisan before the Spirit of God filled him? Like, we're not told that, you know, um, which I think is interesting, uh, that it's like, God just chose this guy and then filled him with the spirit to do it. Maybe he had some skill beforehand. Potentially. Potentially that got it, you know, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It Multiplied make, or expanded. Right. That would make sense because that's yeah. the way God normally works. Right. Like he ta- he creates human beings with certain like p- potentialities and yeah. abilities and pr- like, like predilections. And yeah. then he says, okay, let me encourage those and let me increase those along the, right. like, along the course yeah, of your totally. life. But it wouldn't be totally out of the realm of possibility for God just to download. Right. I know Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Matrix. Yeah. I just, like, so just to get, like, a personal story. We never really share, like, a lot of personal stories on the show. But, like, I feel like this was a lot of my experience was was something similar to this, um, which is just cool for me to see. Like, I always kind of give lip service to the fact that God downloaded a gift onto me um, that was very flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, when I tell my story about when people ask me how I got into spoken word poetry. So for listeners who don't know, my main thing is I travel around the country and do Poeting. Spoke, spoken word poetry. And um, I got into it because I, I saw it in Chicago and I saw like the secular group doing um, just like slam poetry. It wasn't, you know, it was like about social justice and stuff like that. And I was really impacted by it. And I felt God say to me, like, this is what I want you to use to speak to my church. So I started writing on the drive home. I wasn't driving, but you know, I was writing in the passenger (laughs) seat on the drive home. And, um, that gift like really accelerated and started to like get better and better and better over a very short period of time with no formal training. And, um, and now it's my job. And like yeah. my, my, my worst grade I got in college was in creative writing. And so it's like... That's one of mine too. <laughs> was it? It's so funny. And so like, anyway, I just find it very interesting. And like, I don't know, I find comfort and like validation in this idea that 
this is the, how the Spirit of God can work. He actually can come upon us and give us physical skills, like physical skills. I just think that's something that I've kind of said and been like, oh, yeah, this is total a gift of God. He's really nice. But, you know, deep down, I'm like, yeah. but really, I worked at it, and I did it. But seeing this in in, in ink here is, is going like, and it was it was the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God. And I think, too, that also speaks to, like, it's our this fulfillment. This is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. Mm. Even the, the dignity of our work is fulfilled in Jesus because he ensures that our work lasts until eternity. Like, that the skills that we're developing right now don't just end. Yeah. In this life, because in heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, right. we will need buildings. Yep. We will need architects. Yes. We will need people who know how to work, who are chemists yep. and can make fireworks. We need people yeah. who can like do things. Right. And the things that you do now are actually flow into eternity. Yes. And you'll, I think there's a J.R.R. Tolkien story called Leaf by Niggle. Yep. Have you heard this? Oh, it's yes. It's so good. It's so good. There's a man, he's an artist, and he wants to... to um, Paint a tree. Paint a tree. Right. And he has this vision in his mind of what that tree will look like. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And he sets out to draw it. And he spends his life trying to draw this tree, draft after draft after draft he's after draft. He's such a perfectionist. A perfectionist. Uh, like, he's such a perfectionist that every time he tries, he's like, this is not the image I had in my mind. Right. And he throws it away. Uh, by the end of his life, he has produced a leaf, <laughs> a single leaf on the tree that he hoped to build. And as he gets to heaven, I think he's on a train yeah, in like heaven, that. and he's like he's like traveling through heaven on this train, and he makes the train stop because he sees a tree, yeah. and he realizes when he gets out, that's what I've been working for. Yeah, that's what I've been hoping for. That's what I hope my work would accomplish. Would accomplish. And so I think that there's something here too, like what the Lord has given us desires, has given us skills, whether downloaded them like in a mm -hmm. moment or develop them over the course of our right. entire life that we will be fulfilled and we will see completed yeah. in heaven. Yeah, it's really good. And I think that is amplified. That idea is amplified here and upheld by the text when it talks about how the plans that these artisans are completing here on earth are mirror images of what actually exists in heaven. Yeah. We're, we're told that Moses is given the plans um, that God has for the tabernacle up in heaven. Now, now they're here on earth, and so it's kind of that. Op it's like the coming down of the of the ideal to the. Yeah. I don't know, like the the, the worldly, the, the, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the abstraction of it. Yeah. And then what you're talking about is the reverse of that, the fulfillment of that, which is really exciting. It becomes true. Okay, and then the final section is the Sabbath, which seems like kind of a... Uh, a really jolting to but me. But yeah. I think it's really simply to say those that are tasked with working in the kingdom are still obligated to obey the law. Mm. Just because you're gifted, just because you're filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't exempt you from obedience to what God has called all the people to. Interesting. And he calls people to rest. It's also interesting that we have this, okay, guys, there's a lot of work to do. Like, let's, I'm filling you with the spirit of skill. You got to make this, 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 and this. But don't forget to rest. Like, you have to rest. So, yeah, this is like a work text. And I think there's both sides of it. That's like, just because you're working doesn't mean you're exempt from keeping the law. Um, and then, like, as you're working, don't forget to rest. And I think he gives us a reason. Oh, okay. He says it right here. He says, this is a sign between me and you. Uh, throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Mm. So what's the purpose of the Sabbath? That the Lord would sanctify them. Mm. That the Lord would make them holy. 
that the Lord is the one who sets them apart and makes them unique in the world as a nation Israel, but as individuals and also as the tabernacle is unique. It's a reminder that God makes them holy, that God provides, that and God designed the entire world to be structured, structured in patterns of work and rest. And apart from his sustaining hand, nothing exists. Their mm-hmm. ability to work would not exist right. if it wasn't for him. Because his spirit is the one on him doing it. so it. the way that you honor God's, your, God, your God-given ability to work is oh, by resting. That's good. Because you're in the seventh day of rest, you are... Um, in a sense, outwardly demonstrating your inward belief that you know where the work comes from. Yes. Because it's like, well, it came from God. So if God told me to rest, I know if he's blessing my work, he's going to bless my rest. Like yeah. he's in my work. He's going to be in my rest. You're not you're not toiling in your own efforts in your six days of work. So taking one day off from your work makes you lose no identity, makes you like, doesn't make you spin out in anxiety. Right. Because, you're not in control yeah, of the world. Control, if, yeah. if you don't work, the world will still go on. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the lie. A lot of us believe like if we don't work, somebody's going to die. Yeah. Somebody's going to get hurt. Right. Like somebody's soul won't get cared for. Right. Um, if I don't stop working, yeah. but Jesus upholds the world by the word of his power, mm. by his breath, the heavens were made. And we trust that, because he made things, we can rest as he called us to, and the world will still go on spinning. Yeah. It's not up to us. And that's all because of what we what we see right before this, that it is God's spirit doing the work. Like I, I don't think I've ever made that connection. I've always known like I will keep I will rest because God will provide is kind of right. how I've always right, seen right. it. But it's like I like day seven, you know, is like a I don't know, like a, a a pledge of faith that the next days one to six will be taken care of by God. That's kind of how I've always viewed right, it. Right, right. But now I'm seeing like, oh no, day seven is also a proclamation yeah. that it was God doing all the work in the last one to six days. Yes. Like it's his work that came before, his work that goes after, his work that sustains me in the rest. I think that's really interesting. And it wasn't just a proclamation of the people to God. It was also a proclamation of the nation to the rest of the nations. Right. Because... No other like, like this idea of rest taking a oh, weekend, yeah, does not exist. Right, and like, it didn't, and it, it didn't exist until uh, Ford Motor Company. Did in, you know in, this? A, in, in America, America. In America. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Uh, know yeah, that. it was like so I interesting. Yeah, and so it's like because it was it's a hand to mouth society, especially at right. this point. You're agrarian. If you don't go and work for your food, you don't eat that day. So the idea of not working for a day means like so you're just not going to eat, and your family's going to starve, and like this is not what you do. But if, but if there is a thriving community, a mm-hmm. thriving nation where nobody works on a day of the week, the surrounding nations are going to look at that nation and say, I want a part of the nation that can rest. Right. I want to be to follow the God who allows them to rest once, like to be a part of their, pros- like their provisional prosperity yeah. that God's giving. And that's because... And that's so. That's how the Sabbath functions as a sign, because it says yeah. that multiple times here, that the Sabbath is a sign. And so it's a sign to us... We're assigned to the people of God, of God's provision, that God is the one working, and it's like a reminder of his provision and his inhabiting us and his Ruach Elohim among us and everything like that. But it's also an outward sign, right? An outpost sign to the rest of the nations that says, this is who our God is. Our God is a God who provides even when we aren't doing anything. 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And that's the gospel, right? Yeah. Like whenever, whenever we live our lives in such a way that people can look at us and not go, oh, of course he's saved. Like, look how good he is. Right. Like he does everything right. When we live our lives in such a way that people know that our salvation could not be a result of our, uh, our own good works, that like we're able to rest in the comfort of God. So when someone brings an accusation against you and says, hey, you did this wrong, we go, yeah, you're absolutely right. I definitely did. And we're able to quickly repent. We're, we're demonstrating that God's grace can work effectively even apart from our own good works. Or even more simply, to mm. not just salvate, like with regards to salvation, but with regards to your job. Mm. The world should be able to look at your relationship to your job and be, say, that mm. doesn't come naturally. Right. For him to not desire to move up the ladder, right. for him to be able to take all of his vacation days, yeah. <laughs> that tells me something about how he relates to his work. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I've seen in corporate culture in America. Right. That's not what I've seen in third world, like impoverished cultures throughout. The, like, like, it's not what I see. Yeah. So like, there, is, there is a Christian call to relate to our work in such a way that when non-Christians see it, they say, you have a healthy relationship with your work because you believe God will take care of you and God's the one empowering you. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, w- one or two more notes I-, I-, I have questions about for you, Seth, if, if you want to if you want to give us to us in this next few minutes. Yepers. Okay, so there's a, something that really threw me for a loop here is that if you don't keep the Sabbath, the punishment is you're cut off and you die. Why, why such a severe punishment for not keeping because the Sabbath? Because your life comes from God. Okay. Like the spirit that is breathed, like the only reason you're living is because the spirit of God breathed life into you. Oh, I see. So if you decide, oh, I don't need the spirit of God. Mm. Oh, like I can like take advantage of the spirit of God and not trust in it. And right. I can keep working on my own power. And I'm like, no, I can prove to you right now that that's not the case. Wow. An outward expression an outward of ex- the, the reality that's right. stitching the world the together. The reason you're living six days a week is because I gave you that. I gave wow. you the six days. And if you decide not to rest. <laughs> right. Fine. I'll show you where life comes from. I'll show you where life comes from. <laughs> okay, good answer. That's really helpful, actually. And then um, the last observation I had while you were talking was this idea of resting after. So they're going to build this tabernacle, right? And then where where the where the the or the the presence of God will come and be, right? Um, in this idle free zone. And then after that, they're going to rest. They're going to take a Sabbath. Okay. What's interesting is in thirty two, the next chapter, they build the golden calf. And then what do they do? They don't rest. They they get up and they eat and play and um, you know I, I think they they, they probably right. have some kind of sexual um, party. ritual sexual party. And so like it's the opposite. It's not it's not some kind of of holy rest unto the Lord that takes place after the construction of an idol. It's like a it's debauchery. It's the opposite. It's yeah. sinful work. And I just think that was an interesting parallel between the two. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I don't know what to say about that, but I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's also kind of sad. We should have ended on the last thing that you said because it was way more encouraging. And go from here and be sad. <laughs> but this is, this is really cool. So, yeah, well, uh, to recap, the, the Spirit of God fills us to obey God's Word and uh, whatever He commands us to do. We can do because the Holy Spirit fills us, just as it filled Christ to live a perfect life on your behalf, and so you can be brought into this family of God. And uh, because because Jesus has done all the work for you and will accomplish His purposes through the Spirit of God in you, you, you can, can take, rest. You can take Saturday off. Take Saturday off, guys, or Sunday, whatever. <laughs> or Sunday, the he's, Lord's he's, Day. He's, he's, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. It's fine. <laughs> Calm down. All right. 
Well, awesome, guys. Thank you for being with us. And uh, next week, make sure you tune in. It's 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 oh, so, so exciting. We have Andrew Wilson, who is a pastor from London, calling in on on the podcast. Uh, he's, he's the author, author of many books. Many books. Uh, most recently, Echoes of Exodus, um, which is perfect because we're in Exodus. And uh, you seriously will not want to miss having Andrew on. He's so amazing. Uh, so we will see you and guys. And we basically next week. say nothing. So yeah, it's so mostly <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> so all right, guys. Well, we hope you really do have a great day. Take some Sabbath rest. Uh, thank God for the Spirit of God in you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week with Andrew Wilson. We wanted to give a special uh, shout out. Shout out to uh, Miss Beret A. Yes, of and Instagram. And if that's and not how we say your name. We're sorry. It could be Brett. But yeah. it sounded French, so we oui, oui. I And she just asked us, um, uh, what are some resources that we're using to study for this podcast? Because yeah. she wanted to do it on her own. So that's a great question. Great so question. we were I listed some to her and we'll just list some to you too. Okay. Take it away. Um, we love John Salehammer's book called The Pentateuch as Narrative. Yep. It is awesome. Super good. Um, I actually read through the Pentateuch twice and that book once is like a four month study and it was great yeah uh the message of exodus by alec matir is also great matir is a matir great is super gospel centered he's so, amazing so easy to read yeah uh the, and that's part of the bible speaks today tril- like series and yep. it's just an awesome series in general yep it really um, is and then another series the tyndale series um can be uh, is is pretty good and uh, uh alan cole uh does a really good job i feel like um he's a he's a pretty conservative guy so he he kind of helps you also work through some of the scholarly debates that take place with like mosaic authorship and things like that, which I find really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't. that's fine. That's fine. Echoes of Exodus. Echoes of Exodus by, by Andrew Wilson, by our Andrew. guest next week. Yeah. And Kristen Hatton's book too is Kristen great for Hatton, like a devotional reading through. And honestly, the best thing that you can do is just read Exodus. Yes. Again. Like, and, and in the context of the Torah, because that's when you start to see all these things take place. Yeah. I would also recommend picking up like some good biblical theology books. Um, you like, um, you know, James Hamilton's, um, yeah. the glory of God and salvation through judgment. Or Graham Goldsworthy's yes. books. They're awesome. All of Graham's Goldsworthy's books. If you want a preaching series, Matt Chandler did a series on yep. uh, Exodus. I haven't listened to it, but I've heard it's yep. great. And then Winham has a lot of good stuff on on biblical theology. Gordon oh, Winham. Yeah, yeah, Gordon Winham. We'll uh we'll we'll post all these in the description. Um and you should and, just follow the links and, and follow them. Follow but the really links. like yep. a lot of our we do read commentaries, but yep. like we really we read scripture yep. and we try to see Jesus. Yeah. And we pray. And, and the <laughs> yeah, the spirit of God is <laughs> yeah. on us to interpret. Like he's promised to do that. So um it is really good just to read and yeah, like trust trust the spirit but also like trust commentaries and read them critically and you know you kind of got to take it all with a grain of salt um so if you like our podcast and saw jesus in a text that we didn't or in a way that we didn't yes make sure to communicate with us we want to know we want to see more of jesus and more of the bible so message us on twitter or on instagram or send us an email at podcast at spokengospel.com but um yeah we just want to say thanks beret and uh we hope to hear from more of you soon have a great day Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture in every corner of the world. To learn more about the ministry of Spoken Gospel and view more of our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.